Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Are you ready for the news with the side of Bell Pepper? Seriously, what the f*** are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's Sweetheart. With America's Sweetheart. Oh, my God. The Queen, the of, queen Glendale. of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back, everyone, to Trend Lightly. You may be listening to a different voice introducing you. It is I, Tiffany, and with me, the queen of the internet herself is Molly McAleer. Hey, girl. Hey. Oh, my God. I loved it. You did great. <laughs> Thank you so much. You <laughs> did amazing, sweetie. <laughs> Can we talk about the Wordle thing really quickly? Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about Wordle. The New York Times bought Wordle. And I mean, a lot of people are saying that the game has really changed since the takeover. Are you still playing? To be honest, no, not really. I I like it. I like it. It's like the first thing I kind of do. Like Mm. I the cats start who are screaming in the background now, and I apologize. I'm just not gonna be able to stop it they once they start you know poking me in the face until I wake up I go down I feed them that's basically the first thing I do sometimes I pee lately I haven't had to pee so much when I wake up which is nice <laughs> that is nice and then I go and I check the news make sure that Russia hasn't invaded us which by the way I only found out about like two weeks ago I'm gonna be honest I kind of like checked out of like U.S. political news once I didn't have to worry about Trump every day. And for people might say, that's the problem. No, no, no. The problem was is that we had too much news for a very long time. Yes. So I guess, you know, for some reason, people believe that and maybe maybe there's something out there that I didn't see, but people believe that the New York Times wordle has been different than the original wordle. Like, Words like cynic, words like swill. People are complaining about repeating letters, but I think there was repeating letters occasionally in Wordle before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for any of my Wordle heads out there, I'm thinking of you. I I wanted to go live on TikTok and do Wordle because a lot of people, it's a big thing on live right now to be doing Wordle. But TikTok did change their guidelines recently. One, I can't vape on there anymore, which is insane. I know. It's so sad. It's like my favorite thing to do. Like 
they must have known that I showed up on the app and were like, okay, we cannot encourage one fucking thing this bitch does. Like anything you could do, anything I do, you are now not allowed to do on TikTok. (laughs) So yeah, any of you guys who are into Wordle, I might go live on TikTok and start doing it from time to time. But I'm a... I'm a mean Wordle player. Like I don't have any I don't have any fucking time. Whenever I see a Wordle live and I go in there, people are throwing out things where I'm like, "Dog, can you not like read? Like can you like put the like how are you on here? Like it'll be people using letters that you that are were already chosen. Like it's just it drives me nuts. So I feel like it would have to be like a verbally abusive Wordle session. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I would I think I would be frustrated to watch anybody else play Wordle but you because I know that you're really good at Wordle. I actually very much enjoy when you post your Wordle scores in the morning. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I get I beat myself up real bad if I don't get it in under 4 or I respect that energy. I think that's why I would only line. watch you <laughs> because I don't want to watch some loser getting it on the sixth line. That's not what I'm here for. I am happy though like sometimes when you see the journey that someone went on, it's like you know what? Like you really did that. Like <laughs> I can guess what your starting words, your starting letters are. Like you really, you really worked on that. Proud of you guys. So if you have any like info on the word all, if you have any ideas or thoughts, please check in with us on our social medias and tell us how you feel about Wordle now. <laughs> please do. Girl Grimes. We have to get into Kanye. Oh God. <laughs> can't take it anymore I love that Kanye is now in his lowercase era I'm really happy for him because that all caps was very difficult to read but then he got right out of it has he gone back to all caps I don't know if he's still doing it full time but he Hmm. posted shortly after he posted that still of him at the concert with like the things and like I realize now the thing we read at the end of last week's episode that like the next post after was basically like, psych, I'm back on all caps mode. And then he deletes it all. So we're not even going to get in. It, there's nothing really new developing. It's just apart, more yeah. of the same. It's more uh, of the same. It's Apart from the Corey Gamble stuff, which I very much enjoyed. Oh, I know. Mm. Mm. I know the Corey stuff is not. So apparently Corey and Chris broke up. But I found this video that. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. Sometimes it's cringy when men give each other like man-to-man talks. It really is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and side note, I made my therapist laugh this week because I told her that I didn't like to perform for the male gaze because I didn't want to see men happy. And that was probably my best joke of the week and it was wasted on my therapist. So, yeah. Isn't it nice? So that's the person I, I like to make laugh the most. Yeah, absolutely. I did make her cry as well. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> Well, you give the range and that's why, you know, amongst other things, you are such a great host for Tron Lightly. But so I did find this guy, Steve, the bodyguard, Dana. I don't know if this is like he I don't think he's the Steve from Jerry Springer show. Mm -mm. That guy's a little bit older, but he came with this really, I thought, thoughtful man to man advice for Kanye. And let's just play the clip. Dear Kanye, you've inspired millions of people around the world with your musical genius, but now it's time to inspire millions more 
by showing men and women alike what real manhood actually looks like, by respecting a woman's right to choose, by letting her live in peace, and by being a good father to your children. She's made her choice. She's filed for divorce. She's moved on. You have to respect her decision. Your time on the world stage right now is far more important than you could ever imagine because each year, tens of thousands of women are stalked, harassed, terrorized, and some are even murdered by ex-partners who act just like you're acting right now. Kanye, the world is watching, and more importantly, young men and women are watching, some of whom don't understand that your actions are abusive. And your children will one day be watching because when they're old enough, they will look back on the public record. Buying a home across the street from Kim under these circumstances is stalking, not simply being closer to your children. Sending a truckload of roses under these circumstances is not romantic, it's stalking. Airing your grievances on social media is cyber harassment. Targeting her new dating partner, Pete Davidson, is harassment and it's weak-minded because he didn't break up your family. Kanye, the time to fight for your family was when you were together. The time for the grand romantic gestures was when you were together. And you have the money and resources to resolve your differences about the children or anything else for that matter through the court system where otherwise reasonable people turn every day when they are unable to reach an agreement. Now it's time to respect her choice and provide her and the children with the greatest protection a man can provide, a sense of peace and protection from behavior like this. If you love her and the children, give them peace. You're a public figure who can command the world's attention. Do something good with it and make a course correction to inspire other men in this position to do better. The world is watching. Okay, if I was in a hostage situation and Steve was outside with a megaphone, I'd feel incredibly safe. When I would like to marry into his family, <laughs> like if he has an older son that's like, you know, divorced, like I feel like this is, I love this man. Good energy, very good energy. And you know, he's so clever by opening it and also f like flattering Kanye throughout, which he knows is Kanye's love language is being called a genius. Hundo P. This man is only rocking with like 2,788 followers. This is unbelievable. This man oh. should be. I mean, I don't know. There's just, there was so much in there that was so rich. And I really do hope Kanye sees this because I kind of feel like he could get through to him. Yeah. Well, we know he listens to the podcast because he sorted out your Yeezy order. He so, did. Yeah. Kanye, that was Kanye. for you, honey. Listen, yeah. honey feel like there is a lot of politicizing of all of this, but it is at the end of the day, this is incredibly scary. Like it just is. Mm -hmm. And the idea that he would be able to then turn around potentially and ever say that this was just like a publicity stunt for his record is really disheartening. Yeah. Because I'm also seeing a lot of people being like, I don't like Kim. Like, or, you know, Kanye, this man's having his children taken away from him. Like, we know how the Kardashians are. That's a very popular sentiment right now as well, on top mm. of all the people who are also saying, like, it's giving OJ, mm. which 
is close close to home for Kim. It's I just it doesn't matter if you how you feel about these people. This is really disturbing behavior. Agree. I, I I loathe that that I I don't like the Kardashians, but it's like you don't need to say that. We didn't need to know that. Thank you. Right. And I really hope that if later this behavior isn't excused as well, it was promotion for his album because I kind of, you know, that's how Chris Brown has gotten away with it for so long. You know, while Rihanna forgave him, well, a lot of women forgive the men Mm -hmm. that try to kill them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Listen, guys, bad news. (sighs) Pot roast, pot roast the cat passed away this week. If you guys don't know Pot Roast, Pot Roast was like a ragdoll cat with no teeth who was like, you know, strange. And the, you know, like the jokes were always that like Pot Roast was taxidermied or whatever, um, had a little bit of an attitude. But Pot Roast's mom, I think her love for pot roast is what everyone really got on board with. One of their most popular videos is that his uh, mom, who doesn't have a public name, she just goes by pot roast mom. That's for the protection of her identity. She had glued all of pot roasts, pulled teeth to a canvas um, as a piece of as a piece of art. And that was, I think, one of the first things that really endeared people to pot mm-hmm. roast and pot roast mom. Yeah. And if you've ever had a slightly straggly, bedraggly animal that you love with like the fire of a thousand suns, I think you can relate to pot roasts, mom. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, it's a big deal, you know, like noodles over, by the way. Oh, noodle is so over. And pot roast was the, was like the, the animal of TikTok, right? Like if Crusoe the Dash and ruled Instagram and if Grumpy Cat was for the Twitter generation, Pot Roast was it for the TikTok kids. Yeah, what about Marnie the dog? Do you remember Marnie? Which one was Marnie? Marnie the dog was like the party picture dog who I actually met Marnie. Hold on. <gasps> oh, this dog with the tongue. Yeah, and I yeah. and Marnie did pass eventually but Marnie was I I cannot believe I met Marnie the night that she also met Taylor Swift it was like I was at a Grammy party and they were I mean Taylor Swift was out like you know an actual like truly famous person's Grammy party but you know Marnie was everywhere and I think it was sort of just like this thing where yeah I don't know pot roast was a really mysterious creature and it was it was a mass event. Here's a TikTok video from GK Barry that I think summarizes everything. Guys, Pot Rose is fucking dead. This is ruined my fucking year. I can't believe it. Look at him. Oh my god. Why does now we want to die die? Why does it have to be Pot Rose? I'm deleting the app. He wasn't just a cat. Well, he was just a cat, but not to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Honey, I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, that's got big Adele energy. Yeah. Thank you for saying what I couldn't say, GK Barry. Is that was that is that the Adele accent? Yeah, that sort of guys, no, I can't believe it. Like a fishwife. In, yeah. in, in the most loving way. Like if they were like I always feel like if Adele wasn't a uh, multi Grammy award winning, like million 
dollar recording artist, she would do very well on a market stall selling like bags of clementines. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I honestly think you could put Adele anywhere. Yeah. Like she could work at McDonald's. She could, you know, she could be the assistant at a Fortune 500 company. Like you kind of could put Adele anywhere and she'd make sense. Absolutely. Did you see that video of her when she was, there was another video of her at GAY and she's like, why does everyone know that I'm here? And it was like, you're very famous. You're in a white suit and you're at the epicenter of all the gays. And you're on a, like, you're on a podium higher than everybody else in a white suit being Adele. You have a very famous self. (laughs) Of course, everyone knows you're here. And then she's like pouting. It's really funny. She's, she looks absolutely out of her mind. Again, great to smoke cigs with Adele and chat to her. If you're listening, Adele, call us. We would love to do that with you. I, yeah. Adele, I'd do anything to hang with you. That would be the best. I don't even need you to, I want you to sing, baby. I don't need Mm -hmm. you to do any of that. Like, I just, you're the best. Okay, this is another set. And I want to just really quickly go back and apologize in advance for saying noodle is over in the middle of (laughs) hot roast death announcement. I didn't mean that in a, in a, in the way that it could almost only be perceived. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think Noodle's dad is just taking a break and it was, yes. a, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be careful. Cause did I tell you I accidentally almost once announced David Attenborough's death on Twitter? No, I was, I was at this like event for like a TV thing. And there was a, uh, there was like a panel where David Attenborough was, was giving a Q and a session. And I t- I took a picture of him and he like walked past me and I saw him and I tweeted it and I said oh my god David Attenborough dying (laughs) 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 and my friend's mom who was like new to Twitter was like what's happened to David Attenborough oh my god no I was like no I'm dying no Sorry. So yeah, Noodle is fine. Noodle's fine. Noodle's fine. Noodle's fine. Noodle's, yeah, he's fine. Okay. This one actually really like, do you know when someone that you just like know tangentially, like that, that you don't necessarily keep up with? I, not that I knew him, pers- know him personally, but the YouTuber Peter Mon was in a deadly car crash. Peter you know, Peter's been sober for a really long time. He was so, you know, he's obviously sober. He's like a YouTuber does drama channel stuff, but I guess he has epilepsy and he had a few like seizures while he was driving. Oh, wow. And it was like a multiple car, car crash. And unfortunately, one of the passengers in one of the vehicles passed away and Peter is in I believe he's stable now. He was in critical condition. There's really hasn't been any updates since I think a couple days ago where his husband basically asked for privacy. Mm. But what a nightmare. Oh, what a total nightmare. That's so sad. I there's something really odd that happens, I think, when someone who has a really dedicated or they're like known online and then they become either very, very ill or they're involved in something really serious and then they just like kind of disappear for a little while. And there's like this weird 
ghostly Mary Celeste thing of like having still having people kind of come and find you through the story that might be you know maybe you didn't follow Peter but then you hear that this YouTube has been in a car accident and then you go and watch their videos like it's like it, I find it quite ghostly that there's such a huge like legacy of stuff online yeah there was a TikToker who died pretty early on into the pandemic by the name Smoke and Hot Balls mm. and she was the one who said like it was like her doing a filter of a cat and she said like well this is oh my god it's like an i word oh well this is like incre- like impossible or something or no i don't know she was like she misspoke it was basically a video of her like misspeaking that like wound up being like a celebrated meme oh. but when i like looked back through her page after she died i was like oh my god i feel affected by this yeah can I just yeah. play one of the classic like Peter Mon intros that made me fall in love with him when I first started Hell yeah. watching? Okay. He does the same thing every time. Hey guys, it's Peter. And I'm back. Of course I'm back. I'm not going anywhere. Boost! <laughs> I'm YouTube famous now. Available in 2020, the album Dad AF. <clears throat> There's no business like the beauty industry, business like the beauty industry, business I know. Like, that is that is an insane intro <laughs> as a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not the, hey everyone, welcome to my channel or welcome back to my channel type standard intro. Oh, yeah. This is the... You know, I mean, Peter Mon, I one of the things that I really enjoyed about him when I first found him was that he has a real like silliness to him mm-hmm. and a, but also a very rich life story. And yeah, I just, you know, I'm wishing the best to Peter and his husband and to the families of everyone who were involved in that accident. I am. Yeah, it's it's a fucking what a sad what a bummer, dude. Yeah, that's really sad. Okay. Tell me about this. Big Jet TV. <laughs> oh, get ready to enter the world of Big Jet TV. This has been a, a really good week for me for disassociation. I've been heavily disassociating all week. First to the figure skating. Sorry to Bulgaria. I watched the short program and the Bulgarian lady did not do particularly well and I felt bad as we discussed on text. And then, you know, that was like four hours of just people skating. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any more rich for disassociation in comes big jet tv and does an eight hour live stream during one of the uk's biggest storms that goes absolutely viral so we had this storm hit us i think it started on friday but it started to bubble on thursday and it hit mostly in the uk the southwest of england southeast of england and wales all places where i'm either from or live And it was like a red storm warning, which the UK never gets. Like we don't really have extremes of weather. Like we usually are pretty sort of neutral. So it was like big panics left, right and center. Like schools were closed, like the full, um, the trains in Wales, every single train was basically stopped from running. Yeah. Like there was full, like kind of batten down the hatches prepping going on. And so, you know, as everybody was stuck at home, but 
looking outside and really not seeing very much happening apart from like the bins flapping about a little bit we were all looking for a little bit of drama from Storm Eunice and so Big Jet TV is a YouTube channel that is <laughs> it's aviation focused and it's more about the um the nuts and bolts of plane spotting and they stream from like uh, across the way from Heathrow's runway um, and they stream really regularly. But this is the first time that I think that Big Jet TV went mainstream because of, uh, you know, what else are you going to watch live in a big storm than ginormous planes taking off and landing? I think at its peak, it had 230,000 viewers watching it. Many people who were not aviation enthusiasts, myself included. And there's something beautifully <laughs> I don't know what the draw is but like I can't articulate it but just watching a massive plane like slightly wobbling in the air like that sense of jeopardy watching it live is really exciting it's really fun I think I might be a plane spotter now okay wait so what happened with the plane well basically planes were finding the the winds were were blowing about like 90 miles an hour uh -huh. during the storm and so when you have like crosswinds like that, the actual like taking off and landing of giant jets, big jets, if you will, becomes like a little bit more of a um, tricky process to say the sure. very least. <laughs> yeah. And Heathrow is, you know, one of the busiest runways in the world is constantly having planes taking off and landing. So for eight hours, we were just, I mean, I wasn't watching it the whole eight hours. I have to say I was watching it about 45 minutes, but for eight hours, this guy was just streaming, streaming videos of the planes taking off and landing. I don't know what kind of powerful zoom lens he has on these fucking, like on his camera, but it was like insane. It was insane. And he was really charming. And he's like in front of the camera. There's bits where he like takes a phone call. He's like, yeah, it's mad. Yeah. There's like thousands of people watching. Yeah. I know. I can't believe it. Oh, oh my god. It. Okay. Okay. So you have a link here, the best of Big Jet TV in Storm <laughs> Eunice. Do you want to play your favorite parts? Yeah, I'll play a little bit of audio. I mean, it's all pretty much the same throughout, but I think you can hear the joy in this man's voice at hearing at hearing this plane land. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's um Two, how many, go, three go-arounds before we went live. We'll get one, we'll get one, man, we'll get one. Oh, easy. He's gone, he's gone. Didn't like that. <laughs> so basically what we were seeing on screen there is a, is a jet that goes to land, gets very, very close to the runway and then takes off again to go and do another go-around. And it's eight hours of that. Oh, my God. I mean, God bless him, right? And it did better than, like, Fox News, like, basically your Fox News equivalent. Yeah, I think at the moment, the full live stream of that day has over 7 million views, and it's eight hours long. I love that. When someone whose specialty, that's how I felt about Brian Enton during the Gabby Petito case, which I know is, like, a grim comparison, but it really, even though he's with like a news station, it felt like you were watching someone do what they like really love to do reporting, like yeah. in something that every, that was so relevant, at least for, you know, 
that's a period of time. Like, I mean, Brian Enton's like now like the guy, I think that changed his career. And that's what I think you always like hope for when someone who was genuinely chasing stories and putting in hard hours for just the sake of doing it because they love it Mm -hmm. gets this sort of attention. And I think like, it must have been, they're just out there doing this constantly anyway. These like big jet TV, like jet enthusiasts for a very like niche group of passionate plane spotters who just want to watch planes take off and land. Like, great. Do your thing. Love that. But these videos don't generally get, you know, that many views. Well, some of the streams will get like over a hundred thousand, but nothing in the region of 7 million. And just a, it was just like, it, it captured a moment. And I think it was just like a very, like, it's just so deeply British to be in some extreme weather and just be like, Hmm, I wonder what planes are doing. Let's watch that. Let's have a look and see how they're managing this. Because like, honestly, I think there, there was someone who died. They were hit by something, some falling oh. debris and there was some like damage and stuff um, that happened because of the storm. But it was generally like, I think a lot of people felt quite like weirdly disconnected that there'd been all of this disruption for something that felt sort of minute in comparison for something that was just a bit of wind. But it was a, for me, iconic cultural moment. And what I want to do is more watching of incredibly long, slow live streams. And I think this is probably why I love watching people stream the fucking stock market for the entire trading uh, yeah. It's the same energy, isn't it? It's like there's a story that's happening. There's a there's a tension. There's a drama. There's jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, the jeopardy in Big Jet TV is we might watch, we might see a plane crash, which is pretty. And you can be like, I was watching the stream when the plane. Well, crashed. in LA, we have car chases. Oh yeah, and it's very. I that sounds very similar to that. I mean, the car chases are just unbelievable when you get to catch a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they'll go, sometimes it seems like they're going on for days, you know, but yeah, no, I love this story. Oh, wait a minute though. Now that we're talking about fucking stock live streams. Go on. So your little queen, Miss Queen has COVID. I know. And you know what you have to do. <laughs> what do I have to do? Go there? I told you that if she's going to die, you have to get over there and start <laughs> pumping fucking oxygen into her. You have to keep her alive. I am not dealing with my stocks getting fucked because no. that woman died. I'm just not no. dealing with it. I have no, you know, I have an affection toward her the way I do all old people where, you know, I hope nothing, I really don't want to see anything bad happen to her. But I've got to think about number one right now. Oh, and yeah. That's the AMC holders. So, <laughs> yeah. And I've just, from a very like boringly selfish perspective, I don't, even though I don't handle cash anymore because it's 2022 and we're essentially a cashless society, I do loathe the idea that we've got to change all of her, uh, all of our money when she dies. We just have to get new money. Are you going to keep some? Yeah, I am actually. And it's quite nice when you get a really old coin. Well, when you would get like old 10p coins and you'd have like a bunch of them and you could basically like put them in order of her aging. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like there has to be some like first editions out there. Yeah. Where she's all like young and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to keep that. That's for your kids, Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always think when I keep stuff like that. Like, even though I am probably going to be childless for the rest of my life, I'm like, this is for my children. 
I'm just going to tuck this away for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll save for them the best parts of the Big Jet TV storm live as it happened. But I'm just really into this like very, I don't know, man, there's something about like slow, slow TV for want of a better word. Like I know like Norway had that whole like slow TV movement and you can like, you can watch like a, an entire like four hour train ride on Netflix. And if you're a depressed person, a stoned person, if you're a person who simply wishes to check out, this is exactly the kind of content that you need. It requires nothing from you. How I feel about like YouTube boxing because of like <laughs> all of the undercards and then yes. like, some, you know, you get about six minutes of real action for like, you know, eight hours of watching a live stream. And I'm very into passively consuming things. I didn't like the Triller sponsored events when Jake Paul fought. I don't even remember his name now, but like those that's that's my speed where it's just like soft you know there's like just commentators coming mm. in and out like you know most of them aren't really good like i that's exactly what i like absolutely i've always been surprised that i never have like gotten invested in big brother because i feel like the type of person who would absolutely watch a 24 hour live feed yeah 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 i remember when they first did that when big brother uk was big brother uk the first one i think yeah, it I might think have been so. and I think it was a few years in, like in the UK, they launched this channel called E4. So like uh, channel four was like one of the big channels used to host Big Brother. And E4 was this kind of like youth channel where it was often like a kind of testing ground for stuff that may or may not end up on channel four. And during the daytime, they would just have Big Brother on. And that was like my first exposure to like mainstream live streaming. And they used to do this thing um, when you'd be watching it during the day. And I, I remember watching it during like the school holidays, like in the summer where, because it was live, but there was obviously a delay. If someone swore or if they were talking about something that they didn't want on the live feed, they would just put bird sound over it. So you would end up watching these like people silently having a conversation with like, like, that is very foreign to me. That sounds exactly <laughs> what goes on in other countries to me. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a window into this strange That's little world. when you turn on, yeah, when you turn on TV on vacation and you're like, oh, okay. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, Bert. Yeah, that's so interesting. Guys, <laughs> did we ever have an equivalent of that? My American friends, let me know. I think there's, I think there used to be something maybe on MTV where they would just turn on like music, like mm. music you would have heard on TRL or something. Mm. But I might be making that up. That's so interesting. Okay, mm. wait. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Girl, Trisha Paytas is prag. I know. How do I'm really pleased for her, but I'm also really scared. I know. I know. I but I feel like everyone is focused on how like Trisha is going to be an unfit mother when I feel like Moses is really much more insidious than Trisha could ever attempt to be. No, I know. I know. I th- I'd say the thing that I'm scared about for Trisha is I'm scared about her. I'm, I'm scared about something that I can't quite put a feeling on. And it's not about her ability to mother, but it's more about if God forbid anything was to happen with the pregnancy or if like, cause it's very public pregnancy or if there was an, ex- if there was another thing in and around Moses, like I'm worried about, I think her mental health during this time, but I'm also really pleased for her. Cause I know that she really, she really desperately did want children, but I agree. Moses is a little bit of a snake in the grass. Yeah. Okay. So like, I will say this. I think that like Trisha, will like strip down on a lot of the bullshit if she is experienced like because she plays up a lot I think Mm -hmm. and I think that as erratic as we see her on camera as as erratic as she can appear and how she's self-diagnosing and stuff all the time I do think that at least on a private level she would sort of like strip down and do what she has to do because I don't think that she would actively abuse a child that she was carrying No. no but So if you, for some reason, did not have the internet during quarantine, essentially Trisha Paytas, who is like this, you know, go listen to other episodes. We talk about Trisha a lot. She went on a podcast called the H3 podcast, which is hosted by Ethan Klein and his wife, Hila. And his wife, Hila, has a brother named Moses, who... Even as like a an H three fan, I would say like I'm a premium member on their channel. Like <laughs> I really enjoy H three, like less so in recent months. But when I was a fan of them before they even started working with Trisha, I had never heard of Moses. I knew that Ela had at least a brother. I didn't know really what was going on. Frankly, I thought most of her family was back in Israel where her mom and dad lived. So mm-hmm. they wind up doing this bachelorette series with Trisha and Trisha clearly like wants to be a part of their family. Um, she wants to be included by them. And I guess that at one point, Ela or Ethan had mentioned that Ela's brother was thinking about signing up, but then he never sent in a video And Trisha and him wound up connecting on social media behind everyone's backs, and it turned into a full-blown relationship that became very serious, although there's tons of texts out there, and I'm linking to some Trishy Land Reddit stuff in our description so you can see, but Trishy Land is basically where they are like, where... I, I guess you could call them snarkers. I would almost categorize this differently than like snark, mm-hmm. but it's like sort of this like live journal of everything that's like gone on in their relationship. And there's uh, at least two users in this 
Trishy Landthread, who have previously dated Moses. But when Moses and Trisha first got together, he was staying in touch with some of his exes. And there's screenshots where he's saying, like, Trisha's a mess. He's not sexually attracted to her. He said things about the stench of her private areas, like very like fucking nasty stuff that like a yeah. guy rule and nasty. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like, those are the things that when a guy says it, it's just like, ew, uh, because not only do you know that like he would say that stuff about you, but mm-hmm. he is, he's not like he, there's no allowance to be human. Like, let's say, Trisha's, you know, Trisha has bacterial vaginosis, right? Like, I feel like a normal guy would be like, hey, babe, go to, let's go to a doctor. (laughs) And like, also realize that this person has dignity Mm -hmm. and like, doesn't need to have that repeated about themselves. I don't know. I just, I know there's like, there's ways that like, we joke about each other, you know, as men and women, where it feels like some feels acceptable, some doesn't. But I think that's one of the universally sort of unacceptable things is to be yeah. like, her pussy stinks. Yeah, we're, not, we're not children. Like, grow up. So Moses had sent texts to, I believe this is Daphne, who is a girlfriend that alleges that Moses stealthed her, meaning he they were having sex and he took off the condom. In the middle of sex, which is a form of sexual Sexual assault. assault. Yes. Yes. So we also know that Moses, and this has never been said or confirmed publicly by Trish or Moses, but he has two previous wives that he had divorced. And so this is Trisha's first marriage. This is what she's been banking on and wanting for years. And she, you know, he's doing all this behind her back. So there was a conversation where he sent her Moses sent Daphne I believe a picture of his cats and she that everyone says like oh Trisha made him get rid of his cat so that's a whole other thing in this community but she writes oh I miss them I'd love to see you again if you've got any free time spring break maybe and Moses says let's see what happens I might be married to Trisha by then And Daphne says, oh, God, if you Vegas marry her before me, I'll be devastated. And he says, I'll just give her a baby and collect child support. It's bone chilling. I know it's bone chilling. And like because like this is I think everyone's worst fear, right? Is like Mm -hmm. if you're if you're a woman who has like any sort of assets or whatever, your biggest fear is that someone would do this to you. And I know people are going to say, well, the shoe's on the other foot. I mean, listen, it's not right if the shoe is on the other foot either. If it's, it's like, you know, tables are turned. If it was a guy, you know, it it wouldn't be right either. It's just, it's like kind of insane to see a man put this in text because it's like, typically what every man out there claims he is against. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to see it happen to a woman, basically. Yes. yes, very odd. Very, very odd. Yes. Although I will say that a lot of people who are like, she trapped me for a bit, like, that's not true most of the time. No. And also, like, you as a human being who are entering into a sexual relationship with someone 
are in control of whether or not you impregnate someone. Like you have a choice that you can make physically on your person. Absolutely. And Trisha, there's some back and forth stuff about basically the fact that Trisha always says that her uterus was so eaten up by chlamydia. Oh, there's no, that, there's like, no good way to say that. <laughs> I didn't know how to say it. I didn't. I was that oh. a Moses type way of saying it. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, I. They were so corroded or something. They they just get full of overgrowth or something. And so she did a test to see where that was at, but she never did any sort of like I guess what is the more advanced procedure. And so a lot of people are taking it to mean that Trisha lied about her infertility or maybe exaggerated what a doctor said to her because for many years, Trisha has been very open about the fact that she can't get pregnant Mm. and that she, you know, basically does it raw dog, you know, full blown sometimes even with the intention of getting pregnant on the reg. Like she had said she'd been trying with Moses for quite some time, even though she believed she wasn't capable because she just thought maybe it's going to be a miracle. Right. But it turns out she got pregnant, I believe, right before her wedding. So she was, she would have been pregnant at the wedding. And on her honeymoon, which is mm-hmm. another big thing because Trisha probably would have known during her honeymoon that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And there's like several clips of her enjoying alcohol, mm-hmm. which like people are making a huge deal out of. And I understand why, especially like during the earliest stages of pregnancy, it can cause a lot of complications. I do want to remind a lot of you out there that like not everyone has always been trying to like plan pregnancy very actively. You know, like it's sort of, I think maybe in the last like 20 years that I know like everyone is out there, you know, taking their temperature, waiting for the right ovulation. Half your moms were definitely slammed for at least the first six weeks of their pregnancy. Oh, for sure. For sure. Also, like, I mean, on the one hand, if Trisha has got a potentially inhospitable uterus from a history of STDs, then she would be considered a high-risk pregnancy, right? And so it it would be potentially quite irresponsible of her to consciously do something that might end the pregnancy or cause harm. But on the other hand, what a pregnant person does with their body is kind of none of my business. Hundo P, I'm so with you on that. And also, I think that I think what a lot of people are struggling with is the fact that, you know, maybe Trisha never had this like crippling chlamydia because like she did have an std at one point that got really out of control that's something she's always said from like the very beginning stages it's like when her dad basically like put her into a different apartment and and made sure that she was okay for a while because she was really addicted to pills Mm. but i think what people are responding to a little bit is the fact that it's difficult to know what is actually true Yeah, always with Trish. It's very difficult to unpick. I I always think that what she says, there's a kernel of truth in. It just always depends on like, I I never really know how big that kernel is, I would say. And I'm the ultimate excuse maker for her and I'll be the first to admit. It's like a huge 
it's a it's a character flaw I have because I really do I really do think that Trisha means less harm with what she does than pretty much like anything. Like I think she just has this like sort of survivor mentality and mm-hmm. she has a lot of trauma. And I think that she has millions of fact checkers looking for and cross checking like all the different things she said over the years where it's like, you know, if you had a personality, if you if you're anyone, if you're like a normal person on YouTube that has a following, you're going to have people who notice inconsistencies in the way you tell stories over the years. And I think that like, if I look at my own like old writing, the, my understanding of what happened during that time as like a 23 year old, I look at that at 38 years old and I'm like, Oh honey, what are you stupid? Like I, I do. I'm like, what did like, that's such an interesting way of interpreting what was what was there so I think that like you know and I think that she's I think that there's like an entertainer quality of her that doesn't always think about the fact that she's talking about real people yes and she's an unreliable narrator right but we all are as you've just kind of beautifully pointed out we are all unreliable narrators and the problem with Trish is that because she creates content constantly that unreliableness is on display. Yeah. But we are all unreliable narrators. We really are. Like it is very, very, we do not tell the truth about our lives and about ourselves because they are always filtered through our own kind of gaze and our own lens. And with someone who has a personality like Trisha's, it's like that the the filter is and the lens is even, even more warped and heavier. So it's like, well, duh, like, (laughs) of course, which is why I said, you know, I think there's always a kernel of truth, but like depending on the day, how much that is varies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, listen, I just don't think that there's people already calling for that baby's going to get taken away by, you know, CPS, like Moses is going to kidnap the baby and take it to Israel. Like, I, I don't know. I honestly do think that Trisha has a good support system with her mom and her sister. And I think mm-hmm. she's very lucky for that. Like I look at that and I feel some envy because I'm like, oh my God, if I had like a, you know, just like a mom who like wanted to sell my shit on Depop and like <laughs> a sister who, you know, Callie seems like she really has it together. I I do feel like, you know, even though some of the behavior Trisha disca- describes Lena having when she was raising her, I do think that like they are a family that will step up and grandparents are very different than parents. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they would be, this is like, you know, a baby brings families together and she has a brother who seems very normal. She has a dad that seems very normal. So I don't think, I think that people are also like overestimating what it will take for CPS to take your child away. Yes. Yeah. And He's also, gonna be just, fine. just because you have a mental illness does not mean that you are incapable of raising a child. There are yeah. challenges, obviously, but it's kind of, I don't know. We like, we just don't know. We just don't know. We just don't know what it's going to be like for her. It's a thing that she's always really wanted. Yeah. But my, my concern is I really, 
I really hope that she has like a good healthy pregnancy because yeah if god forbid anything happens if there are any complications I think that that will be so devastating to her absolutely absolutely yeah I'm sending you the best Trisha and you're so right by the way like there's also plenty of like mentally ill people who raise children who don't even know they're mentally ill mm-hmm <laughs> you know, and that's the that's I think that those are some of the most dangerous people in society. I caught a little bit of a live the other day oh, where yeah. Trisha was being asked what baby name she was thinking of. And this is just this is if you don't get it, like you don't get it. And this is where it's like people need to like calm down a little bit. She said one of the baby names she was thinking of was Papermate. And she's like, <laughs> She's really into office supply baby names right now. <laughs> She's such a troll. Like, come on. Like, how are you going to like, do you really think that like, you know, there's incidents, right? But I do, I do think that motherhood can mellow some people out and it definitely changes a lot of people's priorities. There's some ins- instances where it doesn't, but it almost feels too on the nose to assume that Trisha is going to be a terrible mother. Like, it's like, guys, you have to like dream bigger, right? Like you have to like think (laughs) like that's the, you know, if you went into a studio and tried to sell a story where a crazy internet personality turned out to be a bad mom, like they would, yeah, they'd be like, that's lazy. Like come back to us with the real story. Like what really happens? (laughs) So maybe think, maybe try and sell this to Sony and see, see what you do there. Okay, this is so interesting, Tiffany. The hair transplants. Like, remember when all those BBL stories were going viral where mm. it was just like plane after plane of like just lines of of women in wheelchairs like flying home. Cushions. <laughs> like yes. sitting on neck pillows. Or like like just being like in a prayer position on their <laughs> seats just with their ass hanging off the side. This so there's actually and let's this is about equality right now. Okay. Turkey is also like the hair transplant capital of the world. And you've sent me a couple of videos now. We put one in the description of people filming airports where there's just <laughs> dozens of men who had had transplants, like either ahead of them on the plane or in TSA or whatever. And I'm telling you, it's overwhelming. Like it's twice the amount of BBLs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the the thing about both a BBL and a hair transplant is that they are not discrete procedures. I mean, arguably you could maybe get away with hiding your BBL if you had enough recovery time in the country of origin of your surgery but a hair transplant is much much like it's much harder to (laughs) to hide because you can put a pair of like you know compression leggings on a BBL but you have to like air your head out with your hair transplant like you can't just be putting on a baseball cap on that shit it's going to be sore no, they have to wear those little like hats that dentists wear. Those little like tie on <laughs> things. You see that? I mean, yeah, it's very interesting, but it's, I liked that, you know, it was like, yeah, equal rights. Like, I really do. Exactly. Exactly. There's absolutely men going to Turkey and getting there and good for them. I love it when I see those videos of men who get the top of their head shaved. I mean, yes. they're mostly <gasps> and then they 
have the wig hair systems. <gasps> oh my god! Yes, I fucking love that shit. I'm so glad you're on the same bit of the internet as me. It's so satisfying, right? Just watching people lose like 20 years off their face with it's, a it's with a wonderful. wig. It's, it's wonderful, and it's like I'm so glad that you feel like empowered to do that because, like, what a simple thing to take care of yourself and. I can imagine that, you know, during a different time, and we're still probably a little bit in that time, but like there would be women who would find out that a guy did that and be like, ew, like not attracted to that. I actually think that's so attractive. That yes. Yeah. Looking after yourself is very attractive. Like it really is. Grooming is very attractive. Not to like extreme levels, like, but like the fact that someone like cares about that presentation of themselves is like... It speaks to their, it speaks to how they feel about themselves. Or that they're not like denying something that will make them so much more confident and happy. I think that's it too. Because like a lot of times guys will want something like that and they won't go for it. And it just like, it manifests as like an attitude within you. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it's so nice to see people going for something. I, did you see this guy today? or maybe yesterday, I don't know when you saw it, but there was a guy who was doing like some light KKW contouring oh. on his cheekbones before he left the house. Just did a little concealer, little KKW. And I just was like, fuck yeah. Like, why not? Like, why not? You know, like I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm like into men using traditionally female beauty products, but what I am into is people taking I, I think it's I think it's very hot, especially when someone takes care of themselves in a way like that. But then doesn't like that where they won't like put that weird expectation on you. Yes, like, or it's you not embarrassing. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, it's also totally fine to be bold. It's also totally fine to like not buy into certain standards of beauty, whether you're male or female. It's fine to opt out of those things. Like when I say take care of yourself, I'm not talking about like you don't have to. You don't have to fundamentally change this. I think it's about having like a degree of self-love that if you feel like this is a thing that potentially will make you feel better, then not denying yourself that. And if it and if it doesn't and if it won't, then don't do that either. You're absolutely fine as you are. But there it's the like um the shame surrounding doing this kind of thing that is is the thing that's kind of unattractive. Like that you shouldn't be ashamed. Like do what you want to do. I I think that there's a thing where, do you remember, like, I think this is, like, something probably that still happens on dating websites. I haven't been on one in forever. But, like, I keep in shape and it's important to me that you do too. Mm. Right? Like, I think that attitude, it can be – it could easily be confused with that. Yes, because that's not what I – that's not what I'm – at all like advocating for like you are no. you loved exactly as you are however you present to the world but like if you feel good about yourself it really does radiate and if something's dragging you down and it's weighing on your mind but not on your scalp then you can do something and if it makes you feel better then great you shouldn't feel embarrassed about that things you know speaking of things uh, speaking of things you can't <laughs> fucking change about yourself let's talk about this fucking Julie. Okay, we touched on it last week, and then it it toppled over. Mm. It was just beginning to the seeds of it were just starting to happen as a trend when we recorded last week's episode. But 
I saw a video from Wells Adams, who was a former Bachelorette contestant who is now married to the actress Sarah Hyland from Modern Family. And he did that thing the way that like your shitty, like your friend's shitty little brother would be like, right? Like where he just made this like terrible mocking face, like like, literally like the grossest thing a guy can do, like just mocking the way that someone speaks. And this clip from Spotify has gone incredibly viral. It's just this like one little clip of Alexander Hooper asking... And this is why it's so important that it, don't don't fucking comment on this clip unless you've seen the interview. And I understand not wanting to give call her daddy views, but I do feel like if you're going to make a, a follow up thesis on why it's insane that Julia Fox implied she's the muse for Uncut Gems, you should one know what capacity various muses can exist in. Mm-hmm. There's not just ever a singular muse for almost anything that's ever been written. But, like, you have to understand that the way Alex Cooper herself wrote the questions was fucked up, where she was like, Art, do you consider yourself Ye's muse? And then she says, What is a muse? And mm-hmm. that is a really strange way to ask that series of questions. And when she says, well, like I was Josh Safdie's muse in Uncut Gems, right? She's referring back to an earlier part in the conversation where she explained to that fucking virgin that when she got her part in Uncut Gems, it was because her longtime friend Josh Safdie had been writing this movie and there was a character that was basically she was the muse for to the point that like they tried to like they had to she basically was called by him so many times and he was like, the script is getting real. This is getting real. And she was like, okay, I see. I see the cards are out on the table. I'll help you finish the part. The character's name was originally going to be Sadie, but that's actually Adam Sandler's daughter's name. So they changed it to Julia because it was the only other thing that made sense because it just was her. And I don't mean this is like a fucking brag or whatever. It's just the truth. Like there are multiple characters that you have probably seen on television. And if they haven't necessarily aired, you they exist in television pilots, they exist in scripts that have sold, that are based on me, that I was the muse for the character. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not that strange, actually. If you're around creative people, at a certain point, if you aren't a muse for a character, you're just, like, n- no impact. Right. Right. That's what people do is they borrow from the things around them. And the implication that like, I don't know, in this tiny little clip that Julia was somehow putting herself on a pedestal and whatever, is sort of slightly ludicrous to me because it feels like people are sort of implying that she's elevated herself to a status in sort of in this unwarranted way and it's like no like she does talk about this and it is entirely not only plausible but like true and accurate that like someone who she was very good friends with who spent time with her who was writing a thing would take inspiration from her like duh like that's how people write stuff exactly and you know and you can also (laughs) go visit our our uh, you know you wouldn't download a kidney episode if you want more info on that. But like there's a, my problem with this 
I feel in a better mood about this than I was. I warned Tiffany. I was like, this could get dark for me. But it really, really fucking bothers me the way that we silence people in our society. And I don't just mean women. I don't just mean someone like Julia Fox. I don't mean public figures. I mean, the time anyone with like a femme presenting voice, like I I do, I worry about when we make stuff like this okay, I do worry about like how quickly, like how fake some are you, some of you are like with trans women, with like, you know, people who have different types of voices. It makes me, it does, it makes me upset. And again, this is like something that is only hurled at people with like, like femme presenting voices. It really is. It, it bothers me a lot because it is an attempt to discredit everything we say by making the way that we even speak our words sound ridiculous. And it's it's incre- it's just incredibly bothersome to me. And then the worst part is, is that when other women get in on it and they start to make men feel like they have the permission to get away with this. And I'm not going to play this video because it's like pointless, but there's this one video of a girl, Camille, who is basically bragging that she was able to introduce the uncut jams meme to her team of male bosses. And her head boss hit her back the next day with like an uncut jams meme, right? Mm. And so you're now these people are getting third hand information, like based off of a viral clip that Spotify did, you know, shout out to them for finding the most ridiculous clip possible and keeping really just like sort of the menacing way that Alex Cooper interacts with human beings on her show, <laughs> keeping her like off camera while Julia Fox is doing that. But I, you know, taking this so that she's like, she's encouraging men at her workplace as an underling. Like you are not even like, do you understand you're just teaching them like they're making fun of you too. That's my big point is like they're making fun of you too for something. And maybe it's not that you speak like that in a way that's comical to them. I also feel like a lot of people think that I'm so enraged about this because I have a similar cadence. It's not, that's not why it bothers me. What bothers me is that there's just so much. I don't think, Tiffany, this is my theory. Mm-hmm. The reason why a lot of people don't like the cadence that I have and the cadence that someone like Julia Fox has is because it reminds them of someone that they may have never even met. It like reminds them of a cartoonish version of a valley girl or someone they've seen portrayed in a movie or a sketch turning them down. Or mm. it reminds them of someone making them feel like they are less than. And a lot of times those portrayals of women like that are fictionalized or they are exaggerated for comedic effect and often never written by women who actually have that cadence. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this thing that a lot of people are turning to, you know, the reasons why they don't like Julia Fox's attitude as they as they say it in that clip which is again out of context and she's sort of like re-explaining something to Alex and saying like we just spent 10 minutes talking about how I was amused for this character 
Now you're asking me if I'm Ye's muse. Now you're asking me what a muse is. Like, Mm. that's why she's saying it like that. And Julia commented and said, like, give me a break. I was stoned. But that was, like, more patient than I would have been. And, like, I feel that with that, they're assuming the assumption is that she is, like, false or insincere or braggadocious and it just bothers me that like you can't speak a certain way without people assuming that like you lack humility in any sense and why are we so fucking desperate to make women feel small and embarrassed like if she knows that she was the muse for that character then why shouldn't she be able to say it why should she be embarrassed by that well because often i think that Women have, uh, no, how do I phrase this? When a woman is self-assured and she is confident and she is confident in her abilities, what many men will want to do is feel like they are the ones discovering that for the very first time for that woman. So if you compliment a woman and she says, thank you, as opposed to like, thank you, I know, as opposed to, oh, oh my God, really? Me? Uh. Then men feel upset by that notion because they want to be the ones that tell us that we're beautiful. They want to be the ones that tell us that we're smart and they want to be the ones that validate us. And when women are able to validate themselves, it puts men in a very precarious position. And and I think that's why we get this like tall poppy syndrome, which is that like, well, you can be tall, but not too tall. You can't ever know how tall and powerful you are. You couldn't possibly know that because if you know that, then you take away my ability to provide that for you. And when you have someone who's effortlessly cool, like Julia Fox, the idea that like when she talks about being amused, whatever, that she knows that she's assured in it, she's confident in it, that she doesn't necessarily need someone to point that out for her is a little bit disarming. And the way that we can go after her and make her feel small again is by mocking her, by mocking the way that she speaks. It's exactly. like, it's entry level. It's like, oh fuck, she's so self-assured. I don't know how else I'll get in. I know what I'll do. I'll mock her. And in the past, look, when I was a fucking, in my previous life as a pick me, like I've made fun of, of that voice. I've done that voice to comedic effect. I've done that voice for boys. I'm also a mimic who does voices all the time. It's not exclusively the Valley girl voice, but, and I feel like embarrassed about that because here's one thing to remember ladies that male attention is in abundance and it's of low value. (laughs) Like you don't need it. It exists and it's very easy to get. So yeah, I don't know. It's I if feel that if you wanted it, you would it. have it. With yes. when it comes to male male attention, if you wanted it, you would have it. You just might you're not getting the attention of the people you want, so you feel like you need to embarrass other women. But here's the thing, right? Like Tiffany, there's a lot of people that go viral all the fucking time on TikTok that have unique voices or whatever, but it's more of like a celebratory thing. And Mm -hmm. that's the difference that I'm seeing here is there's this like deep hatred. And I just don't know, like you see people do it with the Kardashian sisters and they're like celebratory because like what they say is so absurd or whatever. But, you know, if you listen to that interview and I understand if you don't want to give Caller Daddy the downloads, if you listen to that interview... Like, there's a point in there where Julia, like, I mean, she says some buck wild shit. Like, she was like, yep. (laughs) Like, like, do not tell me this bitch isn't humble. Like, apparently she went off on her 
the father of her son. Uh, sorry, yeah, her her son's father because she said that he was basically being a deadbeat. And then it turns out that her friend, who's her landlord, came to her and said, hey, babe, like he actually hasn't been ignoring you. He's paid your rent for the last six months. And Alex is like, what do you mean you didn't know you paid your rent for six months? She's like, I don't know where my fucking checkbook is. Like, I haven't seen my checkbook since 2008. Like, that is so normal, girl. And she was like, I I really do. She's like, I apologize to him. Like, you know, we're like, we're good now. Like, I just didn't know. I was wilding out. Like, that's a humble person. Like, you cannot tell me that, like, is it is it normal? Is it normal to you and I? No. But, like... Not everything's supposed to be normal. And trust me, I've been around some, I've been around some incredibly wealthy, incredibly, incredibly wealthy people and their minds are a hellscape. Like you don't like you, like there's no like right to bully someone unless they're fucking Mark Zuckerberg and actively like hurting the world because they have money or because they have success or fame. We're going to play some TikToks that I have been thinking a lot about that I think sum this up well. Uncut job. Right. Popular opinion. I think we should maybe cool it with the videos making fun of this woman's voice. Don't know her, don't know if she's a good person or a bad person, maybe has poor taste in men. It's one thing to make videos disparaging someone for their character or some action they've taken that you disagree with, but there are tens of thousands of videos just making fun of the sound of her voice. Do you not find that uncomfortable? Do you not feel that internalized misogyny? putting ourselves out there on this app whether you're an influencer or not anything that you post could go viral and maybe not in a good way how would you feel if you opened tiktok and just all you saw were videos making fun of your voice again no real reason to defend this total stranger i just think it's really uncomfortable that's the other thing i vibe with that as much as i loved like the interview and i actually i said to my friend like i actually think she's a really down ass chick like i don't know like i would do what i I think she and Azalea are kind of like birds of a feather, truthfully, which is why I found their little text exchange last week so funny, where they were kind of going back and forth, like sending each other texts of asking each other for like drugs and favors. That, those are those, those are just city girls talking. That's how people talk in the city. That's how people like go about things. But yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's not even about whether or not Julia Fox finds it funny. It's about the precedent. And I do feel like she could be a really good lesson for that. This is what a Californian had to say about it. Were any other California girls just like completely unfazed by the way that Julia Fox said uncut gems? Because like literally that's how I would have said it. And I didn't see anything wrong with that until I saw people start making fun of her for it on TikTok and it becoming like trendy to do it. And then I was like, Oh my god, like, I know that people who aren't from California aren't, like, super familiar with vocal fry and uptalk, but I didn't think it was, like, to this level where hearing someone say uncut gems was, like, like, out of this world. Because almost everyone I know would have also said it like that, and I'm just, I'm shocked. So... Two things about this. One, Julia's from Manhattan, and a lot of people wouldn't have pegged that for a Manhattan accent, but I think you can notice that accent in two famous New Yorkers, Nikki and Paris Hilton. Yes. Yes. It's definitely a certain, you know, 
neighborhood in New York that would like you'd meet girls who have that kind of accent. But yeah, I mean, I'm deeply comforted by the accent. I have to say, I think maybe because it was like the era that I grew up in, like this, the web sort of Paris Hilton and like the simple life and like her and Nicole, like, and then also I was like a big fan of like watching Rachel Zoe project. And like, for me, these are places of like, of comfort of their like comfort TV and like comfort personalities. And like, it's a comfortable space for me. And I kind of love the sound. I, I really love the sound of it. And I would say that I, for me, like the thing, I, I really like saying uncut jams, like, cause it's really fun in my mouth and I don't mean any malice or harm by it. Like for me, it is genuinely like very endearing and very lovely but I don't think that that's where the majority of the content is coming from. Because <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. But I realized that maybe I may be in a, a minority, but. Yeah. So like backstory on my voice is that I didn't always sound like this either. So, you know, you guys know I'm from Massachusetts. I did not have a Boston accent. You guys can still tell that I'm from Boston because of some of my vowel usage. But I. I had like a, like kind of like a squeaky voice, like not like a squeaky voice, but I had a, a young girlish voice. And then when I got to college and I started doing comedy, I realized that people responded to my jokes better in sketch and stand up when I lowered the register of my voice. Mm-hmm. And so I started to do that intentionally and I started to smoke cigarettes intentionally to like hearty up my voice because I felt that that was a good like move for my career if that sounds crazy or not. But then I also moved to California. I started smoking pot. Like I, my voice also relaxed a lot. And for a very long time, that was a, it was a feature of mine. And I think it still is a feature of mine that people really respond to. Like, are you kidding me? Like, do you have any, I know for a fact, based off of like the messages I've gotten over the years, I feel like I could call up a man and say his first little middle and last name and he would come. Like there are people out there who that would work for. Okay. Because they've, they've romanticized my voice so much. They've sexualized it. It, it's just like it's it's like this can't win sort of thing where like some people work on their they cultivate a voice and they cultivate a personality and in a world where we have you know 20 somethings out here using a mid-atlantic accent which was never an accent that has ever existed in time in any region of the country it's like literally a made-up accent for hollywood movies mm-hmm. that to me is more interesting than someone speaking in a relaxed speech and that's not saying that those people should be made fun of because they are clearly putting on a voice it's just there's a generational difference and i just feel like Okay, so all you bitches out here who are fucking speaking like John Mulaney now, like you (laughs) like need to like realize that before you, before you guys, there was a generation of women who adjusted the way they spoke because they didn't want to be seen as too feminine or too serious or intimidating and found that people were more drawn in by like a relaxed, slightly deeper tone of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes, so yeah, I I would say I have a fairly neutral British accent. I don't, I'm from Wales. I don't have a Welsh accent. When I go back and go spend time in Wales, I come back with a bit of a Welsh accent. And I think, I don't know, I have, an, I have that ear 
And it, it always really, <laughs> I used to be quite embarrassed by the fact that if I was spending time with somebody, then, and I like them, I would mirror them unconsciously. And a yeah. lot of my time is spent talking to Americans. A lot of time in my life has been spent in America. And when I've come back from maybe like a long spell in the US, people will make comments about certain parts of my accent. And I know that like, you know, I speak to you for several hours every week. I have like a really good friend who I Marco Polo with, who's a, she's from originally California and she has like a kind of very Californian accent. My husband is American. I speak to him for two hours a day. A lot of the media that I consume is like in this tone, in this voice. And of course, like it, it, there are certain things, certain parts of my, of my accent that take that on, that things that feel comfortable in my mouth to say that are not, it's not intentional. <laughs> it's just like, I'm hearing and absorbing and listening to and re parroting what I hear and what's comfortable and it's adaptable and it's malleable and these things happen. But I, and I always found it like, when people would like mock it when I would come back from the States, it was like, oh yeah, you said a thing, especially with like up talk or whatever. It was like, oh, you're starting to sound quite American. And I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Like all I do is speak to Americans all day long. Yeah. And it's also a thing where like, I have a little bit of that too, Tiff, where like I will spend some time somewhere and I start to like inherit, inherit I don't even know if that's what I mean, but like I'll start to pick up pieces, little bits and pieces of the way they talk and incorporate it into my own. And I've never done it because there wasn't affection there. Like there's places I've been where I want nothing to do with the way that the locals speak. <laughs> <laughs> but if you spend some time and you're comfortable and you're well, like, you know, greeted well and you're in a great community, like you're a little bit more open to it. You don't do that with people you don't like. And yeah. so. I don't know. I, I, whatever. So I want to play this last one that we have here. Please go like check out all of these TikToks I have linked in the description. But this is just like for generally, there's so many people right now comparing Julia Fox and Kim Kardashian, which is ironic because if the Kardashians have been made fun of for anything throughout their career, it's their voices. Yes. Asses and voices. <laughs> this is not, this is not a good airport outfit. This right here. This when y'all make these videos, um, are y'all consciously being misogynistic as fuck when you make it, or do you? Is it just so unconscious now? You made a video comparing two women to each other and judging them based off of what they're wearing to the fucking airport of all places, and you did that over a fucking man because Julia Fox is dating Kanye West and he's now getting divorced from Kim Kardashian. One thing I not only find weird besides the misogyny and the way that people talk about Julia Fox and want to shit on her because they like Kim Kardashian despite the fact that she's done literally nothing to Kim Kardashian but date Kanye West while he's been single is act like there are not fucking kids in the middle of this divorce or somehow make Julia Fox accountable for how y'all feel about fucking Kanye West. Like, it's just weird as fuck. Why do y'all need to do this? Yeah, so she stitched a guy who was, like, talking about Julia's low-rise leather pants at the airport versus Kim wearing some ripped jeans. It's just so fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you guys, think of, be more conscious about that, I would say. You know, I don't know if we're influencing people that make TikToks here, but 
I just be more conscious of that. Like, yeah. and, and also being conscious of who you encourage it around and who you encourage it with. Like, I, I like I'm fine with like, you know, there's friends that I have. We're in a closed room. Like we might make fun of something like that. But then like, but you don't go wide with it. And you definitely don't introduce it to people that like, like, there's just, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, there's, there's just like, there's certain people that, you know, are like fucking notorious haters or like so quick to turn on women, yeah, especially women who are so quick to turn on other women. Like, yeah. There's like rooms that you can have conversations in. And I know that that will be like a controversial thing to say, but I think it's true, which is that like these conversations happen, but they're not for everyone. And they definitely are not supposed to be encouraged for men to feel comfortable doing that. It makes it makes me feel sick, especially considering Wells like from The Bachelor. His big thing is that he was like a radio DJ. And it's like you are someone who works in a place where your voice is your main feature and all you like to me I just see that as someone threatened by someone who has a unique voice. Yeah. That's at the um loser. the TikTok Julia Fox eyes filter is <laughs> is really fun because it makes you look like you have very heavy eye makeup on and I tried it and I was like I need to start wearing heavier eye makeup. Do okay. People ask me if you have Instagram. It's Maddox Creative Studio on Instagram, and you have a pub. Like I, I think I have your TikTok in our description now. Mm-hmm. But people are looking for you, Tiff. Maybe I need to pop. I do. I'm gonna pop back up. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about doing this on TikTok as a like an entry level, as an entry level like reintroduction to the world, which is I'm finding it really difficult to notice the passage of time correctly since the pandemic and sort of anchor myself in like time and space and so what I wanted to start doing is just like making (laughs) like making little like postcards for myself of like not like every day I don't know how I feel but the TLDR of it all is that I I probably am going to start posting again because the thing that I miss from when I used to do YouTube and when I used to be more like publicly available online was was like having a like a scrapbook that I could refer to and like everything I've ever done and posted is is for me really truly like it's for me to go back and look and and see like where I was at that point in my life like what I was eating what I was doing where I was traveling to and I think I sort of maybe felt like I don't think anybody beyond my immediate circle is that interested so I'm just going to close it down (laughs) and keep it to myself but I'm like I mean if other people want to see that that's fine too like come on in come I mean I made some video of my five-hour beef ragu if you want to see that I'll post that on TikTok come on over join in the ragu I would love to join in the ragu and also (laughs) babe like I think like a couple weeks ago you asked me like what's what's it like going viral on TikTok I will tell you this like it is a nicer app it's fucking nice like it's a lot nicer like it's unlike any sort of thing that I've ever been on where it's like I'm always shocked by how mean people are willing to be yeah but it's like safe you know it is it there is like a level of I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it feels like Snapchat and people know that some of their phone numbers are linked to it or if people mm. just know that there's this like checks and balances in the community or what, but it's a you said it before, it's a very accountable community. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I 
I feel like the same as I'm spending a lot of time in VR at the moment and I'm loving it. Yeah. So have you been, uh, it's been better since we last spoke. Oh my God. It's been so good. Yesterday I was in a big screen room <laughs> and, and somebody called me a traitor because I said I was a Welsh person living in England. And there's this thing you can do in big screen where you can throw tomatoes. Um, and I think it's so that when you're watching a movie together, if you don't like it, you can throw tomatoes at the screen. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you, why don't I go stand in the middle of the room and you can all throw tomatoes at me and like purify me. So we did this like weird, like cult ritual where all these strangers threw tomatoes at me. And then every time somebody entered the room, we made them like confess their sins. And then we pelted them with tomatoes. And then it was like, it's very weird cult behavior. And I've I'm very into that. No, I love that. I know. I I need to get on it. I just know that like, I don't know. My biggest fear is that I won't get addicted to it. And my other biggest fear is that I'll get deeply addicted to it. Well, I'm I'm thinking about because I'm my fucking too much gene is kicking in all over the place when it comes to VR. But I spent some time on alt space today and I was in a like a fucking climate meetup where they had this room that was it was a recreation of this um, UNESCO World Heritage Site in Australia and you could watch videos from indigenous people and it was all about like climate and stuff. But the sky, they'd made the sky psychedelic and it was like being on mushroom. It was insane. And then I like met people. It was really nice. And then I was like, how difficult is it to build a world in in alt space? And it turns out it's probably not that difficult. So I'm going to learn unity and I'm going to build a I'm going to build a world in old space. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I am. I'm so proud of you. It makes me so happy to have such a technically inclined co-host and friends. Like I feel very, very lucky. And I look forward to more of your journeys. Are you going to be able to, is that something you'll be able to like link people to? Or yeah. are you, you going to be private on VR? No, no, VR. I'm all, I'm all over VR. So if you have an Oculus, you can add me. I'm Maddie Maddox. And I spend a lot of time in big screen. I would love to play Beat Saber with anyone who wants to play Beat Saber. And I'm thinking what I want to do is I want to host like Alt Space is much more grown up than the other kind of like VR chat based apps. Like VR chat is a nightmare and it's like filled with the worst people big screen is filled with children and so far alt space is this very like grown-up adult space but also really fun and I'm like if I build a world that's called like oh I can't call it talk space because that already exists but something yeah. that's like fun and interesting chat chat, <laughs> chat world I want to be VR Oprah that's what I want to be I want to build a yeah. world and I want to have VR fucking Harry and Megan sit down with me and then chat in VR because there's this thing that happens when you like when you are both in a physical space with someone or it feels like you're in a physical space with someone that you can see the you can humanize people and you can empathize with them but you do also have an anonymity because of this kind of like masking that's happening with your avatar so you are simultaneously incredibly vulnerable and also incredibly protected and I I just I fuck with that I just I want to hook me into the metaverse babe because that's it this is it for me I'm two-dimensional now I have to wait I have to hold back I know because I'll I will be no I'll start neglecting everything <laughs> I feel like this is a good ending point for this episode because we covered a lot of stories but I really want you guys to go check this story that we're linking below we can basically briefly summarize a tiktoker had a horrible incident where I guess she had been chatting with this man that was like clearly an obsessed fan 
And her friends who in a different state, I believe, were selling photos of her to this man. And even her parents <sighs> let her sell a couple pictures of herself to him. Like, I think it was like she sold him two pictures for $300 and her parents knew about it. But he shows up at their house. She's only 15. He's 18 in the middle of the night, like blasts through the door with a shotgun. I guess, thankfully, her father was an ex-cop and he used, you know, had Florida's stand your ground law on his side and just killed the guy when he tried to come back later. But yeah, it's nuts. And there's this other link that I want to include. It's a video of Mom Uncharted on TikTok who found a Patreon that was labeled for 18 plus users. She found their Instagram account and it was redirecting to a Patreon. And basically the parents are selling photos of their minor child, who's also like a tween, to people on under the guise that it's an 18 plus situation. There's over 2,000 patrons who are receiving pictures. And I, I, from what I can tell, right, the child is is clothed and not being physically abused but the fact that this is being sold as like under the counter like behind a paywall thing anyway is pretty dark to say the very least another thing I would like to get into with you if we have time maybe for a bonus up like later in the week or next week is this guy I don't love his YouTube channel I don't like the way he really talks to people but the dad challenge podcast is has finally like spoken up about I don't know if you're familiar with Maya Knight, the mom mm-hmm. of the twins, Scotch and Vodka or Vi- Scout and Violet. She, these babies are, there's already accounts out there that are like basically CP related or CSAM related mm-hmm. that are based off these little girls. There's deep, deep fakes. Like there's a lot of people who are very invested in seeing these young girls and there's overwhelming proof that shows that a lot of the people who are subscribed to these mom channels are actually like men, like older men. Yes. And he started to talk about Maya Knight. And then he also did a video about the situation with this girl, Ava, who's in Florida, whose dad shot her stalker. But Oh, and we should talk about Bebop and BB as well. If we're going down the uh, CSAM uh, rabbit hole of TikTok, that mother-daughter TikTok duo that fucking chill me to the core on TikTok. Oh, I haven't seen them. Oh, boy. you. I think if you – I'll send it to you and I think you will recognize – you'll recognize them or you'll recognize somebody like a drama channel talking about them. It's a mother and daughter. The daughter does pageants and – I've seen other TikTokers starting to make videos about them and there's including one where for Halloween there's a video where the mum had like their child with like wearing like a collar and a leash. No. Yeah. There has to be more protection. I know New York State passed a law recently that's basically going to put like what the equivalent of like a Coogan account is in place for children of family vloggers and parents that monetize their children. Mm-hmm. But it's such it's it's such a trap, right? Because like on one hand, I can see why parents would do it. Like it feels like falling into easy money. On the other hand, like you are willful, willfully ignorant or doing it despite the knowledge, which is just fucking evil. Yeah. You know, the level of danger, it's unreal. Hopefully we won't 
have like a major update on a story like this next week, but maybe we can get into it more there if we don't do a Patreon episode. But yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Trend Lightly. We appreciate you so much. Make sure you go follow us on TikTok at Trend Lightly, as well as all of our social medias. And yeah, Tiff, do you have any final words? No, just love you. Love doing it. Thank you for love listening. Love you. Love doing it. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Girls on the way you wanna meet, but I ain't never seen a shawty that look like a Delta G. Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Delta G's on the left, Delta G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the fun. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the ceiling, now watch it hit the floor. Now rag it up, huh? rap, rap, rag it up, king, bag it up, huh? Back, back, bag it up, king, stack it up, stack, stack, stack it up. She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin, best believe that she on the Thought way Thought was important, but I moved her right about the way Delta G's tonight, told her baby I got cheese tonight Get the scholarship, I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow, like they tell her Shout out TurboTax, tax refund, what's another Like the quarterback at recess, no rush And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission, no rush This ain't UT, why your shirt orange like a pump Mama call me, ask me how college is, I said bust Hey everyone, I'm Noah Daniels, one of the hosts of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast, and I want to introduce you to the perfect podcast to get you through spooky season. Find out what happens when three skeptics who want to believe in the paranormal interview people about their horrifying experiences. Again, that's the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast. Now on to the trailer. I've been warned to not tell this story, but I think because of the way it ends, it's okay to tell this story. Because some people say that with certain entities to like speak of them or talk about them or in any way portray them as powerful will attract them to other people. The creepiest thing about it to me is a lot of times it would wait for me to notice it. It would just lay its arm out like this and then I'd be like, where is it? Where is it? And then I'd see it and then it would just slither back. Make sure you hear the rest of that episode. It's called Devin's Demons. Again, that's the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast available every Monday everywhere you can download podcasts.